0: Guru is very important in spiritual life, especially in the Indian traditions. One reason is these are knowledge traditions, and knowledge always requires a a teacher. In fact, one of the ways in which we conceive of God or Brahman in Hinduism is as the Adi Guru, the first Guru. The Guru of Gurus. And In fact, the famous uh, Guru Stotram is there, Guru Brahma, Guru Vishnu, Guru Devo Maheshwara. Guru Param Brahma Shri Now, whom should you select as a guru? Really speaking, Guru is selected for you already. That's what we hear from our tradition. But certain criteria are mentioned in our um, in, in the Vedantic texts in the Upanishads. Shrotriya Brahmanishta Akamahata. One is the person must be well versed in the tradition. Which tradition? In Vedanta, we will say Vedantic tradition. must be well-learned well in the Upanishads, Gita, in the Brahma Sutras, in Vedantic texts, and, able, and must have the ability to transfer this knowledge. But it need not be limited to the Vedantic tradition. Whatever tradition, the guru should represent some tradition. There's a lot of uh, discussion about this. Why can't a person who has realized the truth, um, in a person who is uh, illumined, does not belong to any particular tradition. Why can't such a person be my guru? Well, it can be, but really it's very difficult to know who is illumined and who is not. And therefore, when you go out, say, for example, you go out to um, a store to buy something, you would rather buy, um, say, a computer or, or anything, a, a stove or, or a piece of equipment, which has the brand, you know, an accepted brand an apple or something like that which which you which people trust and which people believe and which has delivered the goods again and again so there is some quality control you know that when it comes from this particular brand there is some assurance of quality if you're going to buy a computer for example you go to the shop and you buy a computer but if you see a guy standing outside the sh- store and saying hey come here I made this computer in my garage and it's better than any computer you will get in that store. Now, mind you, he may be right. He just may be right. Who knows? But he may not be right also. And you have only that much money to spend. Now, almost always you will go and buy something from the store. Because there's a guarantee of safety there. Now, in the same way, we have these traditions. There are Vaishnava traditions, there are non-dualist traditions, there are dualist traditions, there are Shakta traditions, Shaiva traditions, there are traditions in Christianity, various traditions, in the different religions of the world, in Buddhism, in other religions of the world, where something has continued for centuries, for millennia. We talked about the Buddha today, 2,500 years. Now, This tradition has continued, and there are reports of enlightened persons in this tradition, Year after year, century after century. So you know it works. So the person who is teaching you must belong to some tradition. And must be learned in at least in that tradition. Must have the ability to transfer the knowledge of that tradition. That's one. But that's not enough. Second, there are scholars who are learned in the tradition. But does that person practice it in his or her own life? Second thing is Brahmanishta. Is the entire life built around that teaching? Is the entire life built around spirituality? Brahmanishta means uh, dedicated to, established in Brahman. If the person is illumined, nothing like it. If the person is an enlightened person, nothing like it. That's best, of course. But that's very rare. And that's very difficult for us to verify. What we can do is look at the person's life. Is that person leading a spiritual life? Is this primarily a spiritual person? Or is spiritual teaching a part-time job for that person? So Brahmanishta means a person must be a full-time dedicated, at least a spiritual seeker, if not a person who is already enlightened. And the third criterion for a guru is Akamahata. Literally translates into not injured or not destroyed by desire. Does the guru want anything from you? If it says, "Sure ways to God realization, a hundred dollar course, yeah. crash course in meditation, fifty dollars come and uh, I'll teach you meditation in in three days. You may crash, but I don't know if you will <laughs> really learn how to. And there is some utility there, maybe. Again, I'm not denying it, because um, uh, the person may know certain techniques and is teaching that technique. but a general a good rule of thumb is, Um, the guru should not be making millions out of uh, the guru business. Uh, There's somebody who joked, he said there's only one business uh, which is not affected by Wall Street, which goes ups and downs in the economy, and that's the religion business. So it should not be a business. It should not be uh, be, uh, where the guru wants something from you. That's why the idea was all knowledge, and especially spiritual knowledge, is sacred and therefore free. In the traditional ashrams in India, the guru would actually support the disciples staying in the ashram. It would take the help of the king or the other rich benefactors in society. But those who were studying and, and learning in the ashram, they were not expected to pay anything to the guru. Only after completion of studies, they would, might, might give a gift, a guru dakshina. So these are the three criteria. Um, Shrotriya, well learned in a particular tradition. Where does this person come from? You should ask that question. Second, completely dedicated to spiritual life. And third, is does not want anything material from me. Okay. Uh...